1: Buckeye Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome to Buckeye Talk, the 4th of July weekend edition of Market Down Monday. I hope you all had a fun and festive weekend. I'm Nathan Barrett from Cleveland.com, here with Doug Maurice here with Stephen Means, talking a big question that's been kind of following this team all off season, the, the abundance of receiver talent and how that's going to play out this season. I thought this was a fun one to ponder and a lot of other, uh, a lot of angles to look at. And our readers did the same. Will Ohio state have 2000 yard receivers or more, I suppose.
2: Or more. <laughs> <laughs> well, they have five, yeah. 1000 yard receivers. <laughs>
1: So I I want to start off kind of framing this as like, why is this a discussion? This came out of um, last week. We were sort of pre-recording some things. We were talking about the receiver core. And I think through that conversation, when we were off camera, off mic, whatever we um, somebody threw out, you know, this would be a good market down Monday. Like let's put down on paper in ink. Do we think that Ohio state has this kind of receiving talent and, or, or, or the combination of what this offense is going to do this year. So, so why is this discussion? Can can you have a discussion like this if you just have great receivers, I guess at least two great receivers in an offense and that even if you don't have a great quarterback, they'll find a way to get their biggest playmakers the ball or do you can you have it with just a great quarterback who can sometimes elevate the play of his receivers and if you're going to throw the ball enough that naturally the ball could just find its way into the hands of you, the two best guys whoever they are and and you can they can have seasons like this or do you have to have both of those elements combining for this to really be a conversation? And is that why we're having it? Because we think Ohio state is matching the elite quarterback with elite receivers.
2: So I think, I think it's even less about, well, I think the other thing you, you have to have the desire to do it. You have to have the scheme and the offensive game plan, but I think you need it all. I think this is so high. This is so far out there in terms of, This is really a difficult thing to do statistically, and as we get into it, it has been done. People do it, but especially for a school like Ohio State, I think the number one thing you have to have is the style of offense. Number two, you have to have the quarterback, and then the receivers, I actually think, are the third thing. The receivers are the third thing, but they do have the talented receivers, but I think you could have, and and I have proof of this because there are some schools that have done it, that they have two receivers who had 1,000 yards in the same season. I've never heard of either of them. I don't know who they are. But their offense wanted to do it, and their quarterback must have been good enough to do it. And so they did it. So I think it's scheme, then quarterback, then receivers. But just to be clear about why we are doing this, this is the text from the 619 that we got on a podcast call-out last week that that drove this home, I think, and led us to this market down Monday. From the 619, sorry, that last text was for my wife, LOL. Again, sometimes if you're not a tech subscriber, sometimes our tech subscribers accidentally send us personal texts. It's funny. Did you see
1: the one? There was one a few weeks ago where somebody they mentioned like some dollar figure in there. They were clearly having a business conversation and they sent somebody something like, "Oh, I think it's going to be like 65 million or something like I don't." It was some huge number, and uh, I thought about responding to them, but then I kind of just I let it go because I didn't want, I didn't want them to feel like we had intruded on them, even though they were the ones that sent us the text.
2: Although sometimes I think we should intrude because it's like I hope a 65 million dollar deal didn't fall apart because like the guy never got the text. Well, maybe he's like, yeah. You never sent me a text it's like yeah i did i sent you the text and it's like oh i sent it to my I, college I, I, football group yeah yeah i think in that case i think they did
1: follow up immediately and say oh hey that wasn't for you as if we couldn't tell that somebody wasn't trying to give us whatever million dollars it was
2: oh yeah if there's an if there's a any zero in the monetary <laughs> figure it's not about journalism so yeah if it were happy been,
1: with 399
2: a month yeah no zeros so anyway this person from the 619 pod question i'll go with the wide receiver seam wide receiver theme sorry do you what is the probability given we have a full season that chris olave and garrett wilson could both reach 1000 yards receiving justin fields is one of the best passing quarterbacks we've had pair that with one of the best offensive minded head coaches offensive coordinators that we've had and given the fact that we don't have a ton of proven depth at the receiver position i think they could both be in line for huge seasons Awesome question from the 619. Thank you, tech subscriber, and we're doing a whole pod about it. That's how it works. So one of the things
1: that makes this topic especially intriguing at Ohio State is it's a place that brings in a lot of receiving talent. I mean, they're doing it as well as anybody in the country right now, especially with what they've started doing 2020 around recruiting, 2022 recruiting. They're really stacking up the room. At the same time, it's a place that traditionally has rotated pretty heavily through all three spots. Uh, last year, they got away from it a little bit. They didn't feel like they had a second guy who could who deserved to take K.J. Hill off the field very often. So he really got a lot of reps out of the slot. But it's a place that traditionally, you might have six guys rotating through three spots. Sometimes that means their best receivers on the roster give up targets to other guys who are lower on the depth chart. And that's not the way that every program does it. It's worked for Ohio State, but not every place does it. I guess the question is, does this rotation make sense? When you look at the makeup of, of this roster, does it lend itself more to that, or should they take the top couple guys and and give them even more targets than they're getting now, give them more reps than they're getting now, and and give them a better chance, not because they could, not just to get them over thousand yards, but because you should have your your very best guys on the field at all times.
0: I, I mean, I think it is possible. If we're just gonna just go ahead and get into it. No,
2: are I mean, we are we getting into it? Wait, 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 wait. Nathan, are we supposed to get into it, or are we yeah. supposed to just we- uh, talk generally? Still. Yeah.
1: Well, I thought that was a more general question before we get into whether they should. I, I think I'm just asking now, like, do you guys think that the receiver rotation makes sense, or could you argue that that that's not the best way to do it? That you should, if if Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. And whoever the third person is are clearly the three best guys. Do they need to be rotating or should they be getting the lion's share the way that some other programs do, the the way that they really feed their very best guys?
0: I think in a situation right now where you have two known guys and a lot of questions and you don't have a spring football and some condensed version of fall camp, yes, I do think that those guys should play every meaningful snap. Especially
2: Doug, the start of the season. Oh, Stephen means that his all one way or all the other. You think you think Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson should both play every meaningful snap?
0: I You're doing
2: away with the rotation completely.
0: I think they should play seventy-five to eighty okay, percent of them.
2: That's meaningful. not what you said. You said every oh, meaningful snap. Uh,
0: fine, they should play all but one series of meaningful
2: snaps. In the game. In a whole game. So, like, you're not – you're rotating, like, Julian Fleming and Jamison Williams at the other outside receiver spot, and then, like, G. Scott and Jackson Smith and the Jigba aren't playing. That's your plan for real?
0: If that's what uh, – I mean, these guys don't have any a lot of experience. They missed out on a spring, and we know, don't know – I know. We the don't the have to – we've talked
2: about them. that. We don't have to repeat the facts right. of the so situation. As of, that's as of what thing. you think.
0: With the way things look right now, especially the start, I mean in 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 the, in the especially in the Oregon game to start of the season, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case.
2: Okay. All or nothing means. I mean, I don't think that they should or will rotate exactly equally. I think they'll still rotate kind of. But I don't think Chris Olave is going to be on the field for every meaningful snap. But I also don't think that they will equally rotate G Scott and Chris Olave, because I don't think that's warranted either. And I think if this was a program that did not rotate receivers, if they just didn't do that, it was just like, well, of course, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, and whoever wins the other spot, whether it's Jamison Williams or Julian Fleming or G Scott or Jalen Harris or whoever, those three guys are going to play basically all the time, just like Wyatt Davis and Josh Myers and Thayer Munford are going to play all the time. If that was the case, I don't think this would be a discussion because I think the answer would be a hundred percent yes, they're gonna have two thousand yard receivers. I think the most interesting part about this is the rotation.
1: And I think if they didn't and I think if they did that, they also maybe wouldn't be stacking up receivers the way they are right now. I think that's the appeal of coming to Ohio State is you can come in at the same time as three other top one hundred guys and you might all get fit.
0: I mean, a top 100 guy came in in 2018, and they didn't rotate him at all last season in the slot. So it's not – Because he wasn't good
2: enough. They could have. You don't think that one of the reasons that Jalen Gill didn't play was because Jalen Gill didn't play like a top 50 national recruit?
0: No, I, I – yeah, I'm pretty – that's the number one reason why he didn't play. Who says that these other top 100 guys play Wait, like that stop. in year one?
2: Stop. You have to have a consistent thought process. You can't spend this podcast on Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave now down talking. G. Scott Mookie. It's not necessarily down talking. I'm just saying
0: early on in the season, especially in that one in that Oregon game, they might do that just because these guys didn't have a spring. I'm just not ruling it out. That's all I'm doing.
2: What will what will the rotation be for Penn State? Middle of the season, big game, middle of the year on the road. Do you think Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson will play every meaningful snap in that game?
0: By that point, probably not. But early in the season, in that Oregon game is what I'm pointing to specifically, they might.
2: But we're talking about over the course of a year. And OK, so if Chris Olave gets all the snaps in the Oregon game, that's great. But we're talking about if, he's, if they're going to have 2,000-yard receivers for the course of a year. So the rotation question here is a, is a really important one. And there's nothing uh, – we've all talked about multiple times, yes, we think the young, true freshman receivers will be held back to some degree by the lack of spring football and the lack of stuff this summer. But this is not – I this is not where I thought any of us were on the like, nope, Chris, will, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson are going to be on the field all the time. So I don't think they're going to be on the field all the time, but I also don't think it's going to be 50-50. I think they'll have – maybe a significant edge in maybe it's two series for them one series for another guy and maybe when it's really you know crunch time in certain games maybe it's yeah this in the fourth quarter against Penn State Chris Olave stand on the field that I could see but I also don't think they're just going to abandon the receiver rotation because I think Jalen Gill just for whatever reason it didn't happen for him here and I do think even with a lack of preseason prep. It will happen to a, to a greater degree than it did for Jalen Gill with at least some of these true freshmen. I did not expect that
1: question the response to that question to get anywhere near that salty. And I'm, I'm pretty happy with myself. So um, a good start What's to the answer? podcast. I would say. What's your yeah, you answer? Yeah, you
0: let us argue. You,
1: got to, you have to also answer <laughs> I don't have to answer. I'm running the podcast. Um, I, I thought it was, I think it's a good devil's advocate question to throw out there, but I think the, the proof is in the results for Ohio state. I think um, they wouldn't be doing it if they didn't think that, and, and probably didn't have some internal data that backs up that this is the way to do it. And I think especially with this group of receivers and the depth that I think they're going to have with this specific group of receivers, I think it makes sense. I think there are times where you can argue that you can get, if you're doing a rotation for the sake of doing a rotation, I don't know if that makes sense. But I think it's still going to make sense with this group of guys. Although I do see what Steven is saying, and and that's going to come up later in this podcast and some other conversations to get started. Um, Do you guys know how many? So Ohio State, it's not just recent. They've had great receivers now going back for a while. How many total 1,000-yard receivers has Ohio State had in its history? I've done a lot of homework and a lot of math for this podcast, so I know know the answer to all this stuff. It's five. It is five. Uh, Chris Carter was the first one in 1986. Uh, David Boston did it in uh, – sorry, Terry Glenn in 1995. David Boston in 98. He's the all-time leader, 1435. Michael Jenkins in 2002 and in Paris Campbell in 2018. Last season, Ohio State had no 1,000-yard receivers on, uh, let see, 3,700 passing yards almost. Um, leader was Chris Olave with 840. K.J. Hill was second with 636. He's gone. The next highest returning guy, Garrett Wilson, with 432. What's interesting is you go back to 2018, and that's the most prolific passing season in the history of Ohio State football. Um, would be the most prolific passing season in the history of a lot of programs, actually. You got over over 5,000 passing yards for that team. They did have a 1,000-yard receiver with Paris Campbell, 1063, and then K.J. Hill at 885 on 70 receptions. How much did looking at 2018 and having that context influence how you then extrapolated this answer? Doug, I know you have some historical stuff with some other programs, and I, I want you to get into that, but I want to talk just specifically about Ohio State first And whether that 2018 was how you kind of framed answering this question.
2: I have a very specific formula that I came up with uh, that led me to my answer. That is basically anticipating that the 2020 season will look somewhere like halfway in between 2018 and 2019 in terms of how much they'll throw the ball, how many times per game, how much passing yardage they'll have. And so, That 2018 season factored a lot into what I am thinking, not because I think they'll match that, but because I think they'll get somewhere in between. Because really, it it really was quite a drop off. They threw for 1,400 fewer yards last year, which was not a surprise. But they went from 5,100 passing yards in one more game to 36,84. I mean, that's a they went the same amount of games. Yeah, they both played a Big Ten championship yeah, game and, and one yeah, postseason like, game beyond it. Yeah. yeah, fourteen games each. Okay, right, 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 right. Yeah, you're right. The you're difference right. is the two hundred passing attempts. Right. Literally, well, one ninety. No, one hundred twenty. They they threw. Oh no, well, more passing attempts. They had one hundred twenty yeah. more completions. Right. Yeah. With like two hundred more attempts. Yeah. So, that's so again, I'm not projecting fifty one hundred passing yards, but I'm projecting more than thirty six eighty four. So halfway in between that is 4392. So I took 4392 total passing yards for Ohio State in 2020 as the number that I worked off of and I went from there. And can I throw this caveat in here Nathan and I think or maybe you wanted to bring this up. This is all assuming that right. the schedule goes off as planned and on Monday at the last market down Monday a week ago, we all guessed how many games they'll play and none of us said a full schedule. Right. Right. So but I mean, there's only so much you can do because if they play eight games, they're not going to get this. So that's – until we're told otherwise, we may as well assume 12-game regular season, Big Ten championship game in the postseason, right? Is that how you're thinking, Nathan? Yeah, right. Okay, so just that for the baseline of people saying, oh, well, they're not going to – if – and I don't know if a lot of texters went went down that road of – it,
1: it came up several times, and, and we'll come back to that. But, Stephen, like you've mentioned 2018 several times as you've kind of envisioned what you think this offense could look like this season. How much was that a factor in in how you formulated an answer here?
0: A major, because in 2018, the passing game was the strong point of that offense, and that's the same is going to be said in 2020 where that's going to be the strong point is their quarterback's arm. And so I started there and as i'm looking at numbers and trying to put it in the context no i agree with Doug i don't think they're going to throw you know 533 passes this season but you know i think they can throw 480
1: here's from uh Seth Shayner one of our texters uh he he's thinking a little bit like i'm thinking not to completely give away my answer yet but i think what he says here makes a lot of sense in 2018 when they not only passed a lot by design but had to pass a lot because of the defense. Only Paris Campbell was over 1,000 yards receiving. K.J. Hill was next with 885. Unless they go back to a trestle-like distribution, Brian Rubisky and Brian Hartline being on the field most of the time, with Olave and Garrett Wilson, and they won't, I don't see two guys over 1,000 yards. So, Doug, you would have more historical perspective on that, that there was a time when when Ohio State maybe didn't rotate as much, and if you were to converge that era with a pass-happy era, that's how you could get a season like
2: that. Oh, yeah. I mean, there was a time this was, you know, Trestle didn't do that. This was a this was an Urban Meyer, Zach Smith creation. And I don't even know that they necessarily did it right off the bat. But, you know, again, it's it's hard. It's it's hard to dance on this dance floor for Ohio State because we've just seen like great, great receivers not come close. You know, Michael Thomas had seven hundred and eighty one receiving yards his last year here. And he's the best receiver in the NFL. You know, Devin Smith was like a devastating deep threat. He had 931 yards his senior year here and only 33 catches, which is a ridiculous 28.2 yards per catch. But, you know, they have had a lot of really good receivers come through here. They only have five in history and it's some combination of they've just historically been a running program. And then also they have enough talent that you distribute the ball. Even if you weren't rotating, there was just enough mouths to feed that it was hard for a receiver to, to get the ball enough to get over a thousand. So yeah, it's not, the rotation hasn't traditionally held them back, um, you know, pre-Urban Meyer, but just being Ohio state has held, held the receivers back from hitting this. So Doug, you hinted that you, you did
1: some research into other teams that have pulled this off and, Maybe you can kind of go down that, that lane a little bit and give us some perspective on how that happened and
2: why or why not that might apply to Ohio State. Okay, so I did research of the last decade, and I'll just run through these very quickly. And I did some things nationally, and I did some things from a Big Ten standpoint. And I think that's valuable because Ohio State is a national team that plays in the Big Ten. So sometimes it makes sense to compare them to Alabama and Clemson and LSU and Oklahoma. And sometimes it makes sense to compare them to Michigan state and Iowa and Penn state and Michigan. Here's the number of thousand yard receivers in the nation and in the big 10 in the last decade. Okay. I'll start in 2010 and run through 2019. I won't say the years anymore, but nationally 32 big Ten, zero, 40 and four 35 and one 44 and 4 37 and 3 38 and 3 37 and 1 30 and 1 39 and 4 last year 48 42 receivers in the country had at least 1000 receiving yards four of them in the Big 10 so we're talking about over the course of a decade in the Big 10 there have only been 25000 yard receivers in the last 10 years So that's 2.5 a year in the whole conference. And now we're asking, can you have two on one team? So that's right. It is the big 10. This is not the big 12. If Ohio state was in the big 12, I think this would be a a much easier question to answer. I would agree with that. I
1: would counter by saying, what is the one thing that was a big factor in why those big 10 teams didn't have thousand yard receivers. It's the one that you bring up a lot. Big 10 typically doesn't have very impressive quarterbacks. This yes. Ohio State team has an exceptionally impressive quarterback. Steven, do you think that Justin Fields, how much does the presence of Justin Fields make this more likely regardless of who the receivers are? That's
0: not, uh, that's reason number one, why it's possible. I mean, Minnesota has a pretty decent quarterback and they, they did it last season when Tyler Johnson and Rashad Bateman both having over a thousand yards. So, and they had a quality level quarterback who obviously he's not on the level of Justin Fields, but, you know, he's probably in that next year below where Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence are, and
2: they were able to accomplish that being a Big Ten team. You, so you really think – so Justin Fields is number one on your list of and, why this is possible. Because I yeah. would say, to me, it's so much more important that Ryan Day is willing to throw the ball like this. I th- I think the scheme the, – the, the thing that has changed, the biggest change, yes, Ohio State has better passing quarterbacks, but they have better passing quarterbacks with Ryan Day running the offense. And I just think that is what is different than the past. So maybe
0: that's one, and it's the one, you have a coach who's willing to do it, but also you have a player in the position who's capable of doing it.
2: And, and you have to have both. I think yeah. I think you have to have both. But I also, I you know what? I I think if you had Ryan Day and like an a okay, pretty okay quarterback, I think you'd still be in contention. If you had Justin Fields and the guy and a coach who wanted to pound the ball, I think you wouldn't get it. If you had Ryan Day and an average quarterback, you'd have a shot at it. When you have both, I think you really have a shot at it. So I just, again, to me, this is all about what the coach, how the coach wants to play offense. And Ryan Day, if you told him, hey, you're a pass-happy coach, you love to sling it around, I think he'd punch in the neck. He's not, he doesn't think that. He wants a power run game. He wants to lean on the run, but he also, you know, he 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 designs a pass game first and then complements it with a with hearty run game. Um, So I guess specifically, Nathan, to your question, last year, Minnesota did it. Tyler Johnson and Rashad Bateman were the two leading receivers in the Big Ten. They both played for Minnesota. So Minnesota had 2,000-yard receivers. LSU last year, 2,000-yard receivers with Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. Alabama last year, 2,000-yard receivers. Devonta Smith and Jerry Judy, and then Henry Ruggs Jr., who got picked before Jerry Judy, and the NFL Draft had 746 as their third receiver. I feel like this is trolling me. Wake Forest did it last year.
0: It gets weird after that.
2: (laughs) This is, they did this just because they know that I like to use Wake Forest as my (laughs) default team to mock. Sage Surratt and Kendall Hilton for Wake Forest both had 1,001 receiving yep. yards last year. <laughs> but the reason they did it is because they had Jamie Newman throwing them the ball and Jamie Newman's so good, he's gonna be Georgia's quarterback this year. So for instance, Clemson did not do it last year. T. Higgins was eleven sixty seven. Justin Ross eight sixty five. Oklahoma did it in eighteen, not in nineteen. But in two thousand eighteen Marquise Brown and C. D. Lamb were both over a thousand. And I I'm not saying that's a comprehensive list, but When we talk about great national teams, LSU, Bama, both last year, Oklahoma the year before, and a really good Big Ten team, but again, that really only had two guys. And every pass that Tanner Morgan threw last year was practically to Tyler Johnson and Rashad Bateman. They did it last year. So it's not all over the place, but it's also not impossible.
1: I want to get one more thing in on Justin Fields before we move on. And I, 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 obviously having his passing skills makes it more likely that Ohio State will complete more passes and have more passing yards. However, he does what Dwayne Haskins did not do in terms of being a running threat as a running back, either design or as a quarterback, designed runs or just breaking off and, and freelancing and doing his own thing. Are there ways in which having a quarterback like that actually could make it less likely that you have? 2000 yard receivers because with Haskins you had a team that was probably going to put the ball in the air even more I don't think they're going to get to the Dwayne Haskins level of pass attempts in 2020 and part of it is because they still want the ball in Justin Fields hands in other ways could that be the reason why this doesn't end up happening
2: just as a point of information and again sacks count as rushing attempts in college football right Dwayne Haskins had 79 rushing attempts in 2018 Justin Fields had 137 rushing attempts last year. I think maybe if you just had to guess, you would have thought that gap was even bigger. It's only 58 rushing attempts. But part of what what also happens – what are they? Well, again, I I, don't have – Take away the
1: sacks for it. Right, and and I'm not saying that you should know that. I'm just saying that – I'm throwing that out there kind of just like – Rhetorically, like what those are, is important too. The and same way, it's like it's you know a guy could a, a guy can catch a l- more short routes and have less yards than the deep threat, that kind of thing. The no, receiver. right,
2: right. And so w- what I would say is that also part of that is Dwayne Haskins was not a run threat, which means they did a lot of RPOs, which means they threw the ball more right. short, which is why Paris Campbell had ninety receptions and mm-hmm. barely got mm-hmm. over a thousand. Because right. they, they threw short so much. So it was just the style of offense significantly changed um, because of the running ability of the quarterback. And again, as a point of information, Ohio State in 2018 gave up 23 sacks. Ohio State in 2019 gave up 35 sacks. So they gave up more sacks last year. So, you know, Dwayne Haskins did run a little bit late in the year. And again, it was exaggerated. Everyone tried to make a big deal about it. He's not a running quarterback. Justin Fields has five times the running ability of Dwayne Haskins. But it did overall influence the style of offense that made 18 lean on the pass game a lot more.
1: Steven, do you understand or do you you agree that there's ways that, like, Justin Fields, like quarterback, could end up being the reason why the offense... Doesn't have as many prolific receivers. I understand it An abundance of them. I should no, say. No,
0: I understand it. It's just every time you ask him, and then when you and then when you watch him, you know when he you know scrambles, is he scrambling to take off or is he scrambling to buy time? And he's always said, "I'm scrambling to buy time to throw the ball down the field," and which is part of the why he takes some of these sacks because he's trying to make a play. So yeah, I understand him being a running th- run threat might take away from it, but also I don't know if it's as Severe of taking away from it if it was a guy who's only scrambling in order to take off because there's nothing downfield the first time he looks up.
1: So we've already mentioned a couple of receivers in this context, and really it's it's Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson are the two that jumped to the forefront. Olave being a, a guy returning to a starting spot on the outside. Wilson, a freshman last year for a sophomore year, they're moving him into the slot. At least that's what they were doing the one time we got to see them have a practice this spring. So before we give our answers, I wanted to maybe kind of run through some of the other options and, and get people's takes on who is even a, a, a possible answer to this question? Uh, Aaron from the 814, mark it down. Alave will explode this season, going well over a 1,000 yards, as well as Juice Williams getting just above the notch. Then Wilson will be around the 700, but have 10-plus TDs as well. Then Harris will be around 300, 400, and all the freshman receivers will be getting reps, making plays, whether it's special teams and arounds or screens. So oh, yeah, Bab. Cameron Babb will finally get on the field. So he sees uh, this Aaron in the eight one four sees, I think probably a a different vision of how this could play out. Um, And there's some other people that, that that mentioned names like that. They kind of skipped over one of the obvious answers and thought it could be somebody else that maybe can break that plateau. I think Julian Fleming's name got included. Do you guys think there are any possible candidates besides Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson for getting a thousand yards this season? No, no. Moving right along. Uh, do we think that, that Garrett Wilson's move to the slot makes it more or less likely? Do you think now that uh, Garrett as, uh, Wilson is a 2020 receiver in the slot is more likely to get a thousand yards than if Garrett Wilson were staying on the
2: outside in 2020? I think it makes it more likely. I, I agree. And why? Because I think the rotation possibilities are slightly lessened. Yeah. They may lean on him a little bit more. And I actually think, I mean, it's weird. It, it gets it, it, part of the 2018 and 2019 stuff is so different from each other. It's, it's not even worth discussing, but like, for instance, Dwayne Haskins in 2018 it to the H every time, almost Paris Campbell and KJ Hill combined for 160 yeah. catches and 1,948 yards in 1,097 snaps out of the slot. And so like, It makes sense to me that if you're trying to – in this offense, if you're trying to get 2,000 yarders, one in the slot and one on the outside seems a little more doable to me. If you look again at 2018, Campbell and Hill in the slot, 1,948 yards combined, and then Johnny Dixon and Terry McLaurin kind of shared one of the outside spots. That changed a little bit late in the year after Austin Mack got hurt, and then Terry McLaurin slid to the Austin Mack spot, but they split – an outside spot most of that year. They combined for 77 catches and 1,370 yards. So if you think there's a little bit less of a rotation, that's a one slot guy, one outside spot, each over a 1,000. But if you look at last year, the Olave Wilson spot, they split one. They were 1,272 combined for yardage. Austin Mack, Ben Victor were 934 at the other outside spot combined for yardage. And then KJ Hill they kind of played the tight end as the second slot guy. So there really wasn't a second slot guy, as we said, KJ Hill had 636 yards. So last year it was like the two outside spots and Justin Fields didn't throw to the slot as much, but again, sometimes he was throwing maybe the tight ends there. So it just, I'm not sure there's proof of it. They won't rely on the slot with Wilson as much as Dwayne Haskins relied on the slot in 2018. But I do think there's a little bit of a natural balance both to the players and the scheme that I think Wilson in the slot increases the chances of this.
1: Would Ohio State having a thousand-yard receiving tight end be a sign of the apocalypse?
0: Yes. I think that makes Doug go to Disney World early.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. It's no. Just, yeah. I'm out. You, the, guy would, the guy would cross a thousand yards, and Doug would just stand I mean, up and leave seriously, his computer there. What,
0: and, after that, what hasn't Doug seen as an Ohio State reporter?
2: I mean, I'm not sure. Go. I mean, I know you're throwing that out there as a joke. I, do any tight ends in college football have a thousand yards? I mean, that's not even. I, I no. think there's, I happens. think there. are right. I mean, if you
1: do you start splitting hairs and start talking about the difference between tight ends and then guys who are called tight ends, but really spend most of their time in the slot and aren't Actually, used as traditional yeah. tight ends. Like, um, I, the, there's, there's a part of me, there's like an alternate universe. With, this is a complete derailing of this discussion, but for, for Ohio state to go find some kind of freak athlete, who's, you know, a, a a big wide receiver or whatever, and turn him into a Gronk, Aaron Hernandez, that's, that's Dustin Keller, that kind that's of thing. It's it's, it's, it, 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 it's fun to think about, but no, I don't think it's ever going to happen. I'm just going to throwing the point, out there. There,
0: there was one tight end with 1,000 yards last season, and it was Harrison Bryant from Florida Atlantic. He had 1,004 yards and 65 catches for seven touchdowns.
1: and And he was the only option. The central <laughs> focus of that offense, yeah. right. Which you don't barely got see. over, right. right? Let's take a break here. We're gonna come back. We're gonna go through our text responses, and we're gonna mark it down our choice on whether Ohio State will have two thousand yard receivers in 2020. Stay with us on Buckeye Talk. We're back on Buckeye Talk, talking about whether Ohio State will have two thousand yard receivers in 2020. It would be the first time in the history of the program if they can pull it off. Doug and Steven. What percentage of our text audience do you believe voted yes, that Ohio State will have 2,000 yard receivers in 2020? 40.
2: Uh, yeah, I'll say 40. I agree with
1: that. 78.2% of our text uh, audience voted no. no. Oh, I'll so then we're exactly right. No. 22% of our audience voted yes uh, which I was actually, I thought it would be higher too, but I think people did the math and they said, well, they didn't do it in 2018. They're not going to throw the ball more than they did in 2018. Um, they know that Justin Fields runs a ball as we were just talking about, and that that's a factor there too. And then there's other people who talked about the schedule and we should, we should address that real quick, but I don't want that to bog down the whole conversation because, it, it makes this not that fun of a, of a conversation if we base it all on that. Obviously, all of us said earlier this week that we thought, or I guess last week's Market Down Monday, that Ohio State wouldn't play a full 12-game regular season in 2020. Do any of you think it's possible that Ohio State could have multiple 1,000-yard receivers in only a nine- or eight-game regular season?
0: No, it doesn't happen unless they play all 12 games.
1: Right, yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't want to get bogged down on that, but it was something that, that our, our texters did bring up. Um, I want to go to a couple of yes votes from the 937. Assuming a full schedule, I feel confident to mark down a yes on this one. Alave and Wilson will both clock in over 1,000, with Fleming pulling in 450 in a highly successful freshman year. The passing game is going to be so much more lethal this year that it is a straightforward mark it down. Uh, from the 614, mark it down yes, and here's why. Was this you, Steven? Steven?
2: <laughs> Paris Campbell and KJ murder, Hill almost. Phone.
1: <laughs> Paris Campbell and KJ Hill almost did it in. Tw- well, it's a six-one-four, so I thought it didn't have to be a burner phone. Paris Campbell and KJ Hill almost did it in 2018, and that was rotating amongst McLaurin, Mack, and Victor. In 2020, the Buckeyes still want to rotate receivers. We'll make sure Olave and Wilson will see the most snaps, and probably by a good margin. See KJ Hill in 2019. This along with the fact that the Buckeyes will probably be throwing more similar to the 2018 season because Dobbins has moved on to the next level means Olave and Wilson both achieve 1,000 yards. And from the 6-3-0, this is where we start. There's always somebody who really kind of takes it that next level. I believe they'll have three in 2020. OSU will rely much more on the pass game this season. Olave will pass 1,000 yards along with Wilson and Fleming. All those guys will help field surpass 4,500 passing yards in 2020. Mark it down. Happy fourth to all of you as well. And I, and, uh, I don't have the, this person's name, but I'll say that they're passing it on to all of you who are listening to Buckeye talk today. Is there, like, what percentage chance is there, before you even give your answers on two, what's the percentage chance Ohio State could have 3,000-yard receivers in a full, get, get all the way to the national championship game, so 15-game season, what are the chances it could happen? Zero. Yeah. Zero percent. I think I agree. I
0: mean, are they Hawaii all of a sudden?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, again, I, I, you'd have to really game out the scenarios where they would be. I think, again, that would have to be a team that wasn't rotating the way that Ohio State rotates. But I also
0: think did not run the ball to save its life.
1: Yeah, perhaps. Perhaps. Um, Here's some of the no answers. Like I said, they, they were dominant. I mean, 78.2% of people had, a, I think, a realistic expectation of what this offense is going to be. And there was people saying, as you'll see, it's not that they're not saying Ohio State's going to be explosive, but it's really more about the math of this specific question. Uh, From the 310, no to both. Too many guys will play in both of these positions. If the season goes as well as expected, lots of blowouts, there'll be too many mouths to feed at both positions. And I think that's important, too, that Ohio State doesn't chuck the ball for four quarters. Even when they have a really finely-tuned, high-octane passing attack, they're not throwing the ball in the fourth quarter against Bowling Green and uh, whoever else they shellac over the course of even if it's a 12-game season. Uh, doesn't that have to factor into how you do the math on this? Or do you think they throw it so much in the first half of games <clears throat> with the questionable, and I'm putting that in quotation marks, running game this year that it could just be that they, they, they really stack it up in the first half with this receiving group and it's still plausible?
2: That's what I think. Because, like, yeah, if they're not on the field much for Bowling Green, it might be because, like, Chris Chris Olave had three catches for Mm -hmm. 119 yards in the first half.
0: Because even in games last year where they had blowouts, they still managed to get a certain amount of reps in for Justin Fields in the first half. Because there were some halves last year where he had 20-plus throws in the first half because we all knew how the game was going to go.
1: The no vote from the 513, they'll have Olave and Wilson each get 800-plus, but there are too many options, and also, if there are fewer games, there is no chance. Also, I see Olave as Devin Smith catching long passes and Wilson out of the slot like Paris Campbell, lots of yards after the catch. Mark it down. Doug, what do you think of that comparison? Say it again. Olave uh, as Devin Smith and, and Wilson as Paris Campbell.
2: He's not Paris Campbell. I think Wilson so and Paris right. Campbell is wrong. Paris Campbell – caught ninety balls but his yards per catch was like super low. And so that's they were throwing him bubble screens and letting him catch three yard routes and go bonkers. Um I I don't think I think Garrett Wilson would have
0: fifteen hundred yards at least if he had ninety catches.
2: Yes. He'll have fewer catches but but potentially more yards. So I it's just the yards per catch is so Paris is so rare. Um, And it's not a criticism of Paris. Paris was was just a unique guy. And so that's not what they want from Garrett Wilson. It's not what I would expect. And Devin Smith, to me, I think Paris Campbell and Devin Smith are opposite ends of the spectrum. Devin Smith is pure deep ball. Paris Campbell is pure bubble screens and short passes. And Olave and Wilson are both more in the middle than either of them. Olave can go deep. Nobody goes as deep as well as Devin Smith. But I think Olave does more that aren't deep routes. Garrett Wilson can catch some short stuff, but he does more than that. So I think those are extreme examples, and I, I don't think they're quite exact comparisons.
1: So let's mark it down. What do we think? Who are we picking? Are we saying that Ohio State will have 2,000 yard receivers in 2020? Steven, I'm going to let you start us off.
0: I think it's going to happen. Mostly because Garrett Wilson moving into the slot, and so now you've got a weapon who's outside and what is in the slot, and they can it's not going to be like twenty eighteen where he's just Justin is relying slowly on solely on the slot but he or twenty nineteen where it was maybe more outside it's going to be a mixture of both they're obviously his best two options, and so as games he's going to rely on them heavily, especially more than he will on whoever is rotating on the other side and it, i I think it's somewhere in the middle of you know what they as far as catches what they did in 2018 and 2019 but because the talent level is maybe higher they're able to do Garrett Wilson especially is able to do more with the ball and so he's going to be able to get the yards after catch that put him over a thousand yards while Chris Olave being the deep threat reliability that he is if anyone's going to get it it's going to be him first with Garrett Wilson using his talent level to take some of these bubble screens a little further than Paris Campbell did but also he's a downfield threat out out of the slot in the way that no one who's played H back here has been.
1: So we've been doing on our uh, the position breakdowns that you guys will eventually hear um, out there in our Buckeye Talk audience. Uh, we've been doing at the end we give our confidence level for uh, that position group for that year. One uh, scale of one to ten. So Stephen, on a scale of one to ten, what's your confidence level that Chris Olave gets a thousand yards this year? Ten. And what's your confidence level that Garrett Wilson gets a thousand yards this year? Nine. Wow. All right. Stephen means think thinks go-
2: something he <laughs> does not shake his belief. Hey, that's that's I, I would appreciate that.
0: Yeah, would you rather me be all wishy washy about it? No, own it. We're more I would it rather
2: you on occasion open the door of infallibility and believe that there's a possibility that you might be wrong at times. But <laughs> If you want to go ten and nine, they've never done it in the history of the program. There have been five guys in the history of the program who have ever had a thousand yards on their own, and you are a ten and a nine on this is also a program that we're year.
0: this is also a program that we're talking about who has just recently been a you know a high power passing offense so
2: it's, i get
0: it, it it's so not like be, they've been throwing thirty plus passes a game for fifty years and they still haven't been able to do it. This is a new Ryan day introduced new territory as far as what, you know, the passing game at Ohio state looks like.
1: So, and just, it's even just to follow up if, if there's a full season,
0: that's yeah. Yeah. that's a, And,
1: full season. and assuming full health for everyone that, that Olave and or Wilson don't miss multiple games for, for something that comes along. Uh, are you, you, you're giving a 10 that Ohio state will have at least 1000 yeah. yard receiver. Yeah.
2: No, he's given a twenty. He's given a nineteen out of (laughs) ten. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Doug, what is your prediction for this question?
2: My answer is yes. I think they do it in a full season, and I have four thousand numbers to go over. Um, But let's do it. Okay, so here's this is as a point of reference to the to the point that Stephen is making that they're just in a different place when David Boston had his 1,000-yard season, Ohio State threw 249, had 249 completions that year. When Terry Glenn did it, they had 229 completions. When Chris Carter did it, they had 176 completions the whole year. 69 of them were to Chris Carter, but they had 176 completions the whole year, and a dude got a 1,000 yards. When Michael Jenkins did it, they had 173 completions, barely any more two decades later. When Paris Campbell did it, they had 373 completions. So Paris Campbell and Chris Carter both had 1,000-yard receiving seasons for Ohio State. The year Paris Campbell did it, they completed 200 more passes as a team. So that tells you that what Chris Carter did was just unbelievable. Yep. So it's just the threshold of, yes, you can see how it starts creeping up to be easier. So I did the math. I, I hit the middle ground on if this season, from a passing standpoint, is between 2019 and 2018. That then means that they will complete 334 passes. And I'm focusing on the receptions, even though we're dealing with yardage, because you've got to get the ball in your hands to have a shot at this thing. So Chris Carter, the year he got 1,000 caught 39% of the team's overall receptions. Michael Jenkins had 35% of the team's receptions. David Boston had 34% of the team's receptions. Terry Glenn had 28% of the team's receptions. And in 2018, Paris Campbell had 24% of the team's receptions. And KJ Hill had 19% of the team's receptions, okay? So almost 40% for Carter and then down in the 20s or almost the 20s when we're talking 2018. So again, I'm just laying a framework here. So here's where I am. If they if they have 334 completions, if Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson each get 20% of the total number of completions, and again, while they rotated, Paris Campbell got 24% and KJ Hill 19% in 2018. So I think to say could Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, even in a rotation or partial rotation, could they account each for 20 percent each of the total catches? I think that's possible. I don't think that's I don't think that's outlandish,
0: especially when they're not
2: rotating with each other. Right. That they they can each have two thirds or 60 percent of their spot, whereas, as you said, Paris and KJ were split in the same spot. That would be 67 catches. 20% of 334 is 67 catches. okay, could Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson each have 67 catches? Yeah, I think they could. Paris Campbell averaged 11.8 yards per catch in 2018. K.J. Hill averaged 12.6 yards per catch in 2018. Those are both slot guys catching shorter passes from Dwayne Haskins. But the other 1,000-yard receivers in Ohio State history, Terry Glenn averaged 22 yards a catch. David Boston 16.9, Chris Carter 16.3 Michael Jevin- Jenkins 17.6. So they'll average more per catch than Paris and KJ did. I think even in the slot, even Garrett in the slot is more explosive, he'll average more yards per catch. So if they each have 67 catches and they've got to get to a thousand yards, and I'll do the math one more time, how many yards per reception? do they have to average? They have to average 14.9 yards per reception if they have 67 catches to get to 1,000. Last year, Chris Olave averaged 17.5 yards per catch, and Garrett Wilson averaged 14.4 yards per catch. So Olave's way there. Garrett Wilson is almost there as a true freshman learning his way. So Do I think they could complete 334 passes, which is halfway between 18 and 19? Yes, I think they could. Do I think with a still a rotation, but maybe a rotation that leans their way? Could Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson each account for 20% of those total receptions? Yes, I think they each could. And then could they each average 14.9 yards per catch while doing that 20%? Yes, I think they could. So can they have 2000 yard receivers? Yes, I think they can. Yes, I think they will if they play a full season.
1: So that's two yes votes. And just to make things interesting, although it is also the thing that I I believe, uh, I actually think I'm going to vote no. And I actually think it might be just as more likely that they have zero than they have two. I think it's more likely they have zero than they have two.
2: I think Chris Olave, as much as I made fun of Steven for saying 10 on Olave and Garrett on Wilson, I think everything about Chris Olave in his experience, the type of receiver he is, his veteran, the, the way he's established as a veteran in a young group, the offense he's in, I think everything about Chris Olave in 2020 points toward a 1,000-yard season.
1: So I think I Chris Olave is a pretty special player. I just don't know that I expect I mean he was pretty involved in this offense last year.
0: He was. He had 48 <laughs> catches and was 160 yards away from a thousand yards. Why don't so are you saying that he's not gonna go up in receptions?
1: I'm saying that he could he could go up in receptions. Um but I don't know that it's gonna be a huge surge in receptions. And and similarly with Wilson, um, I, I think he could if if you, you could get in a situation where he could have double the receptions he had last year, and he's still not getting to a thousand yards. Now I know that his he was in a smaller role, and now he'll be a more featured role. And I actually think what's gonna I I think it's more I still think it's more likely to have zero than two. But I think the one is going to be Wilson. I think he's going really? to really. I think he's going to move into a situation much like Paris Campbell in in 2018, where you put it, someone that dynamic in the slot, and I think that guy becomes the guy who gets fed the most in this offense. I think I would take him over the between the two of them, I would take him to be the more likely thousand yard receiver than Chris Olave.
0: So let me ask you a question, okay? If like you're are you you're basically saying Garrett Wilson is going to lead Ohio State in receptions this year,
1: correct? Receptions, yes.
0: Okay but also how, receiving how, yards
2: and receiving yards. Right, right, right,
0: right, right. That's not the, the, the question I'm asking. If Chris Olave is the second leader, how many, how many more receptions is Garrett Wilson going to have than Chris Olave did? Because just doing the math, if Chris Olave averages the exact same amount of yards per catch that he did last season, all he would need is 10 more catches than what he had last season to get 1,000 yards. Are you saying that the, second, the guy who's going to be second on the team in receptions can't get 58 catches next season?
1: Uh, I, it's, it's, I guess that's within reach. Yeah. I'm just saying that what I think is, is more likely to happen is a, a, an even bigger workload for, for Garrett Wilson. And again, I, I, your point about the, that the, the freshmen might be, and we've talked about this before, there might be a step behind to start the year, but there is just an abundance of talent in that room. And they brought them here for a reason. They brought those guys here and those guys wouldn't be coming here if they didn't think there was a role early on for them. And in, throw in James Williams on top of that. I just think there's a lot of receiving talent in this offense that they're going to use. They're going to utilize it all. Um, And I don't, and I think it would be a mistake to at the end of the year, look at Chris Olave And if he has uh, 53 catches for 906 yards or whatever, and think of that as being somehow not a, a, a some kind of a step back or something because he didn't explode. I think it's, it's all more about what that position is and the way it gets used in this offense.
2: Interesting. So you're, so you made Steven do confidence level. Steven said 10 on Olave nine on Garrett Wilson. What's your confidence level on each guy?
1: I would say um, I would go about an eight on Wilson right now. And then maybe a seven on Olave, but I think it's, I think it would maybe be one or the other. I, I, as far as being the one to actually get a thousand, I don't, I, I just, I don't know that this is going to be such a prolific passing offense That they get to that number, that they can get two guys past that number, because of again how much they rotate and how much other guys are
2: going to be on the field. And again, to the point, I mean, in 2018 they threw for 5,100 yards and didn't have 2,000 yard guys. Correct. So um, that did
1: influence that did influence my decision. And and that's that's a dangerous way to look at it because you have a different quarterback. Um, You do have Ryan Day still at the top of things, but it's still offenses will uh, you know. evolve and change a little bit over time. So I don't think it's, 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 it's completely fair to say one because this happened then because a, then B definitely will happen. Um, But that did influence my decision that even in the single most prolific season. And when you still had people like, because, because you still had people like McLaurin, you still had the guys who were seniors last year who were younger receivers in this offense, but were also involved. I I think it's going to be kind of similar to that. I think you're still going to have, even if you have these, these, Guys at the top of the depth chart, these future NFL guys, I think you're still going to see enough talent beneath
2: them, the younger talent, that's going to get a chance, even early in games, even early in the season. So the one thing in 2018 is they really had veteran guys. That was a very veteran team. Mm -hmm. And Campbell Hill, Dixon, and McLaurin were were all very, very experienced guys. Three of them were in their final year, and KJ could have gone pro and didn't. So they had four veterans who were splitting that load. Terry McLaurin had 35 catches for 701 yards that year and then went in the third round of the draft. And then it was as good as any rookie and receiver in the NFL last year. Um, And he was 300 yards short of 1,000. But again, they had more veteran guys splitting up those reps, right? I do think 2020, there are two clear established veteran guys here. Junior Chris Olave and sophomore Garrett Wilson. And then there's a lot of unknowns behind them. So as much as I disagree with Steven saying he thinks they'll take all the meaningful reps, I do think it's a different division of labor than an 18 potentially, because you could see why they lean. I I will expect a lean. And I think if Olave and Wilson each get 60% of the snaps at their position instead of 50. And again, last year, if you look, I mean, it's just, they're so, they're so even with it. Sometimes it's practically, I mean, it's amazing. Chris it's Olave. The
0: other series. Last it's it's, season, it's which exact.
2: Is be, it's practically literally. exact. Chris Olave had 507 snaps last year. Garrett Wilson mm-hmm. had 450, you know, like that's, that's very, very close. I just could see a world where, you know, if Chris Olave is splitting snaps with. A true freshman. G. Scott. And. Although, you know, Garrett Wilson, as a true freshman, did get 450 snaps last year, right? So that was a lot. Is will these, be, will these true freshmen be more ready than Garrett Wilson was, than five-star Garrett Wilson was? Maybe Julian Fleming will be. But will they be more ready with the reps they're missing? But also Chris is, Olave is now a sure thing. Chris Olave going into last year was a guy who flashed in the Michigan game but didn't play all that much as a true freshman. Chris Olave is super established. I think he... Should and will get like sixty percent of the snaps, and I think if he does, he'll get there. So, so okay, so just to make okay, you, Steven is nine for Olave. No, Steven Not, is ten for Olave, nine, nine for Wilson. Nine for
1: Garrett. Yeah. Right.
2: You are what again, Nathan?
1: I said eight for Wilson and seven for Olave. Since okay.
0: So fifteen of twenty, and I'm nineteen of twenty.
2: I would and, say yeah. like I'm like an eight and a half for Olave, and if I had to go to a whole number I'd say nine and I'm like a five for Wilson so I think I think one is by far the most likely thing but I actually think two is more likely than zero because I think one is almost guaranteed because I just do expect that they'll just throw that much more than a year ago
0: so why so low for why only
2: five for Garrett because I don't know exactly how they're going to use the slot i do think they could rotate in jackson smith najigba a decent amount i do think they could have moments where like how austin mack learned the slot maybe a slide chris olave into the slot for some snaps because you want to put g g scott and jamison williams on the field at the same time i just think as good as garrett wilson is olave is more a year more established and i also think even though we're talking about Garrett Wilson's big play potential from the slot, I do think Chris Olave will average a couple more yards per catch than than Garrett Wilson will. And then also if Olave raises his yards per catch from 17 to 19, and he's killing people on deep balls all year. um, I do think it's possible Garrett Wilson could have a few more overall catches, but Chris Olave has like 250 more yards. And maybe Chris Olave comes in at 1150 and Garrett Wilson comes in at 900 or 850
0: which is where the the 2019 comparison comes in because kj hill you know he led the team in receptions but the outside receiver led in yards
2: yes so i'll i'll lean i'll lean position and experience on why i think i'm i'm significantly more on lave as a thousand yard receiver than garrett
1: i I guess here was the other thought that i had we we talked on a uh, on the receiver pod which again it's confusing cuz we've already done it but they haven't heard it but at some at some point you'll hear us talk on the receiver pod about the oppor- what if what if Wilson's a guy that they move around so i think that that's I, there's a reason that they talked about and and did it moved him to the slot i you know he had a role last year and by the end of the year it was growing into a bigger role as an outside receiver you would think that you know this he would be in a position to be to take that other spot opposite of Olave and really hold that down. And there has to be a reason why they're moving him from there to the slot. And I think it's twofold. I think it's because they see him as someone they can feature there in a big way. And I think they want to use these young guys and they feel like these young guys will be able to play right away. Now, again, that's what they thought in March at the start of all this falling apart. They may have to adjust that. We'll see when we get into August, what they've decided to do. I just feel like, I, I, I guess I just still feel like there's going to be such a distribution that I don't, I, it, I, I don't see them being able to get two guys over that hump, but I don't think it has, it, it reflects in any way on the kind of season that the, the receivers in this offense are going to have. I think, um,
0: Garrett, go I think Garrett probably would have been in the slot last year if they would have been six for six on receivers. And if they would have had another outside guy they could trust, they would have just put Garrett Wilson in the slot last year and rotated him with KJ. But, because you d- didn't have another slot guy, or another outside guy you can trust. Why don't you just keep Garrett outside? And since KJ is your best hands, just keep him on the field. I think that's what that was.
1: Um, uh, Maybe, although it's not like Garrett Wilson played all the time. You still could have used him in the slot sometimes. They didn't.
0: I'm, I just think it was in that situation, it was probably better to rotate him with an outside guy and keep your best hands on the field.
1: I, I want to get to some other text answers before we wrap things up because they kind of go in a direction that I think I'm thinking, and I want to get your guys' reaction. Uh, from the 937, no, but I think three people will have more than KJ did last year. Alave over 1,000, and Wilson and Williamson in the 800 range. Uh,
2: I think he means Williams. I think he means. Uh, it is hard. His name is not James Williamson. It's Jameson Williams. But right. I think that's I, what he meant. <laughs> I, as an old man. I don't think he man, means Marcus Williamson. Yeah. I, as an old man, that trips me up sometimes, too. And these are texts.
1: We've all had
2: something autocorrect
1: on a text at some point. Need I bring up Turkey, first Turkey Johnston?
0: Yeah, he's got two first names and two last names as his name, so...
1: Uh, Jack from Peoria. Fields is maybe the best quarterback in modern Ohio State era, but there are so many options, and with the potential of any kind of rotation, I don't see how two guys distance themselves so far from the pack. My prediction is Wilson goes over 1,000, and Alave repeats his performance from last year of around 850 yards. I think the better question may be how many guys go over 500 yards receiving. I think they may be high. I predict four. Alave, Wilson... Jackson Smith and Jigba and Jameson Williams uh, from the 216. Uh, had a longer answer, but in next year I see Olave getting over a thousand, but nobody else mostly because we'll be playing a shortened season. I think Wilson will get close, but there's a lot of other talent in that group that may poach some reception from those guys. I think we may have four guys over 500, however, and Olave, Wilson, Fleming, and wait for it, Doug, Demario McCall. Uh, <laughs> Doug, from is the that four, you? Four, and from the 440. Oh, I'm there, uh, baby no chance too many receivers and fields won't be picky they'll spread the ball around how about this though in 2020 if a full season is played there will be five receivers over the 600 yard mark what do you guys think that there's any opening for that kind of season that maybe we don't get two or even one ohio state receiver over a thousand but you could have as many as four or five guys that are in that five 600 yard conversation
0: if these freshmen are, if i'm one of 100% 100% wrong, and these freshmen – I'm not, not going to say 100% wrong, but if these freshmen are all more than ready to go and we're all wrong and this is a 50-50 split or a 55-45 to split, then sure.
2: Listen, man, people get excited about freshmen. It's yeah, hard no. to do. Garrett Wilson, 30 catches for 432 last year. It was like a huge freshman receiving season for an Ohio. And that
0: player. was one freshman to do it. It's not like Jamison Williams was out there doing it as well as a top 100 guy.
2: It's, it's just hard. In, in 18, again, and that's 5,100 passing yards in 18. They had four guys over 600. So they had Campbell at 1063, Hill at 885, McLaurin at 701, Dixon at 669. That's with throwing for more than 5,000 yards as a team, and all those guys were veterans. So, like, did someone say five people over 600 yards? Yes. Like, that's, that's I, I just mathematically, it's mathematically impossible. I mean, unless they all get exactly 600 but like Chris Olave is going to have substantially more receiving yards than G Scott. I mean, that's just going to be a fact. Mm -hmm. And Garrett Wilson's going to have, you know, so, uh, so that's just, uh, and I love it. I love it. I love the fan fiction that we get here and I think it's spectacular. And and there's one of the great things about sports is making predictions, but um, I I actually think like two guys over a thousand is much more likely than five guys over 600. Because five guys over 600 is like five equal guys of equal talent and equal experience doing the exact same thing. I think the idea that like, hey, Chris Olave will be twice as productive than Julian Fleming is much more likely than like Chris Olave and Julian Fleming being equally productive. And also
0: for that many guys to be over 600, what type of completion percentage are you talking about at that point to even make have enough receptions to do that?
1: This is a pretty efficient quarterback. Yeah, but...
2: He's very efficient, and if he plays more second halves, if they throw the ball a little more, they don't have J.K. Dobbins to lean on, he plays some more second halves, and he's like even more accurate and more dynamic than he was a year ago. Like He opens the door on almost everything. I mean, he really does. He brings everything you want to the table. He opens the door on everything, but I do think There's two receivers on this team who have played. I mean, Jamison Williams played a little bit last year, but really there's two receivers who have played. played Any meaningful snap, it's been two guys. So that, I think, actually leads us down the path toward those two guys could each get 1,000 yards, but it would lead me away from the path of four or five guys getting 600. It's just hard when you haven't played.
1: And I think I would also say I think – the, the chances of Olave and Wilson getting 1,000 yards is directly tied to, to, to both getting 1,000 yards is directly tied to how much Justin Fields needs to be throwing passes in the fourth quarter games this year because they'll be the ones he's targeting. Okay. But I, don't know, how, I yeah. don't know how much that's actually going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen with a, the huge abundance that might be necessary compared to last year.
2: I mean, they have Oregon. They have a tougher one, tougher non-conference game that will be more competitive. You figure they'll have some games earlier on in the Big Ten schedule. Iowa and Penn State should be more competitive early. They won't get off to this ten and zero start that everybody was benched in the second half.
0: Cause yeah. Right. Right. But also, I don't think the we. Def- I think we can all agree the defense is not at a level where the offense is going to be starting a lot of drives at the fifty yard line.
2: And I think again, Which- that's going to be. As much as we're saying, you know, if you're looking at something in between 2018 yeah. and 2019 for this passing attack, the defense would lead you that way too. Not as bad as 2018, not as dominating as 2019, which affects how often you're throwing the ball on offense.
1: And but when Ohio State has a lead in the second half of these games, I think it, it in the fourth quarter of those games, I you don't usually win those games by throwing a lot of passes. That's where you turn things over to Wyatt Davis. Josh Myers, this offensive line. So I, again, I, I don't know that just because the, some a few of these fourth quarters should be more competitive. Yes. But I, I think that doesn't necessarily, again, mean a huge upsurge in passing attempts. So that's the way that we see it on Buckeye Talk. Two votes for both Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson going over a thousand yards. One naysayer saying it's not going to happen. Come back next week we 'll have another topic for you we're going to get into all of uh the rest of July I think is going to be more predictive about what we think is going to happen this season and it's not just going to be ohio state we're going to be marking it down over um, national stuff we're going to be marking it down on big ten stuff we're going to be marking it down and then specifically more on what ohio state's going to do that's going to be coming up in the next month, probably along with some other topics so please stick around. We appreciate you participating via the text six one four. All of our texters are kind of the engine that drives this a lot of times each week. We really appreciate your input. You give us a lot of great topics and, and a lot of great feedback as you all heard tonight. So thanks again for that. And we'll talk to you tomorrow. That was Buckeye Talk.